Hey, this is Joe Namath, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans are fans. Bird, Bird. 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 Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans are passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be the unbeliever. Everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I am joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, the number one Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris, everyone. <laughs> and on the line with us, on the line with us, live. From Mayapak, New York, and the Wookiee Compound for the very first time, blessing you with his presence on the video, the majestic beast, the big stinking Wookiee, Nicholas Kronk, everyone. Jet fans, how you feeling tonight? Hopefully you're in for a little bit of a ride. Now, not everyone knows this. Our boy Wookiee, who we don't always say his full name. We use an assumed yeah. name for him. Maybe his name's Nicholas <laughs> Maybe it isn't. You haven't been allowed back in the country for a long time. It's why we've been, we've been kind of mysterious with the Wookiee. Who is he? Where is yep. he? Is he Los Huevos? What's his name? You can't see him. You can't see him. But here you are, Wookiee. All charges have been dropped. I know it's a big day for you. Welcome to the show and your beautiful face. We're very happy to see you. I, I, I'm just happy to be out and about, get the face out there. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, been, I mean, Los Huevos, Los Huevos, beautiful place. Yeah. I'm not going to knock it. Had a lot of fun times down there. A lot of crazy times we're not going to talk about now. Yeah, um, yeah. but, uh, it's nice to be out and about. It's nice to have the face out there, everybody. Yeah. Most put requested a, a, issue we had on the show was that everyone wanted to see what the Wookiee looked like. They wanted to be exposed to your world, and here you are. There you are. The bit of, if, you're, if you're all wondering what's behind the Wookiee, that's Wookiee yeah. artwork. Because picture, Wookiee's on point. Wookiee Warhol. Picture an overweight Joaquin Phoenix without the cleft lip. That's me. <laughs> 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 all right, everybody. Getting right into it for this week. Mike, got a few topics. Obviously, the Super Bowl. <laughs> Obviously, beat writers down in Houston saying things that'll make Jet fans happy. We're going to get into Jamal Adams and his big mouth that he won't stop flapping, even though we traded you 10 months ago, or however the hell long it was ago. But Mike, before we get into all that, you're down there in Houston. You messaged me today. Let's talk about this real quick with Jet fans. I know there's a beat reporter down there in Houston that's saying he thinks if he does get dealt, Watson will go to the Jets, this and that. This kind of seems like a hamster wheel to me, to a degree, every week. He likes this team. He likes that team. He doesn't like this team. He doesn't like that team. It's a lot. It could be all much ado about nothing. But it seems like there's some good news, Mike, coming our direction, at least from some beat reporters down in Houston. If he does get dealt, they think we might be the landing spot. Yeah, I think that he's just making sure or maybe some people from Deshaun Watson's camp or maybe even Easterby and his crazy all over the owner uh, is letting everyone know, hey, if we do decide to deal him, we're going to send him to the New York Jets. They've got the most to offer. Number one, it keeps Joe Douglas and the New York Jet fan base and the New York Jet organization engaged. Number two, it says, hey, Miami, hey, these other teams, look, we're going to potentially deal with the Jets. If you want, Watson, get your ante up. So that's all. I think that was just all you know, trying to save face. To be honest with you, there's a lot of infighting around here. They're saying that Easterby is like the red wedding. 
out here. In- <laughs> GOT it's reference. crazy because because uh, the owner Cal McNair and Easterby are potentially trying to move Deshaun Watson, and the GM and the coach want to keep Deshaun Watson. Yeah. And there is infighting. The president of the Houston Texans just yeah. stepped down. Okay, so this, this, it's, it's, it's real. Okay, it's real out there. Now, who knows? Like you said, it's always, it's nonstop spinning, but this was a big story for you, for a beat writer to come out and say, if the Texans decide they're going to trade Deshaun Watson, it would be to the New York Jets. Yeah, and and Easter B is reminiscent of a GOT figure, Lord Littlefinger, who Mike is very familiar with. (laughs) That's how he's been compared to many times. Uh, and some of his mo- manu- maneuvers behind the scenes there, his Machiavellian maneuvers behind the scenes have been compared to our boy Littlefinger. We know how it ended for Littlefinger, Mike. Not well. Yeah. Yeah. Not well for GOT fans. I'm, I'm sorry. Spoiler alert. Littlefinger gets killed, everyone. All right? Uh, I'm just going to put that out there. But, hey, you know, if that benefits us, if you bring in this clown into Houston, benefits the New York Jets, please... Please bring it on. You should be continuing making decisions that help us. It seems like for whatever reason, the owner is kind of caught in this little uh, trap of Easterby, or maybe he's maybe he does think he's someone that um, has a, a valid football opinion, and we don't know that. But whatever the case may be, doesn't seem like a team is doing that well behind the scenes since he showed up. We one know thing, that for a fact. one thing I will say, Keith, is that the New York Jets have been taking calls about Sam Darnold, and if they were not interested in trading him or doing anything with him, they would not be entertaining the calls that they're t- entertaining. And there have been rumors that one of the strongest suitors for Sam would be the Washington Redskins, and that would be the 19th pick. We would have to give up like a fourth or a fifth, but yes, that is a possibility. The 19th overall for Sam, and we give them like a fourth or a fifth additional. Uh, You know, it's so funny. I don't know where to even value Sam anymore. I can't pretend I do. We've sat here and done a podcast covering him for three years. And I'm still at a loss in regards to what his value is to other teams. Because some people you hear say they think it could still be salvaged and still be really good, and he's just a victim of his circumstances, right? right some people right. you hear say he kind of is who he is. Maybe he'll get better than, you know, last year he was the lowest-ranked quarterback in the league. He could probably be better than that. But as we've mentioned, Mike, it's very rare that a quarterback is as bad as he was last year, last-ranked quarterback, and turns it around to a point in the NFL where they're a very effective top-of-the-league quarterback. All these guys right now, go ahead, everyone, look at the stats, all the top quarterbacks. None of them were the lowest-rated quarterback quarterback in the league at any point in their life. That's the issue with Sam that I'm worried about. Where he, yeah, yep. that's, Can you recover from that? Can you come back from that? I don't think he's going to be on the Jets next year. And I, you know, hearing that the 19th and the 4th for Sam, I mean, that kind of seems like a no-brainer, Mike. I don't know what you think. No, we, would, we like... would have to give a fourth. So No, be... I know, no, I understand. Yeah, I understand yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. But giving up a fourth-round pick when you have all the draft capital that we have, in addition to Sam, to get a ninth, the 19th pick. Right. When you have 22 and you have number two overall, I mean, that puts you in a position where giving up number two overall, then giving up the 19th overall, giving up a few other picks, you could still get Watson, <laughs> still a first-round pick, and plenty exactly. of other picks. So, um, yep. you know, yep. that's going to lead that's going to lead to another topic later on when we do get into these third annual AEBG Awards, which we're going to get to shortly. When we get a chance to get into those, we're going to touch on Jamal Adams. Guys, we have an award for you, Jamal. We got you covered, bro. You got one. We got you, bro. Uh, We got a couple of fun awards we're going to throw out, but Jamal being one of them. The Super Bowl, though, guys, we we have to just run through this real quick. Now, I didn't see... Mike, you made a great point last week, and I want to give you a lot of credit, because I didn't see how 
any offense, excuse me, any defense this year, maybe besides the Raiders for whatever reason, no one's been able to really stop Mahomes. You know, and, I, and now going into the Super Bowl, even with a depleted offensive line, I didn't see how the Buccaneers were going to slow this offense down. Now, penalties, obviously, we know played a big part in this game. Record amount of penalties. The Chiefs were, the Chiefs waited for this game to play their most undisciplined game of the year in addition to also drop, I mean, I guess it falls into it when you drop balls. Un- undisciplined goes across the, across the board because they're dropping balls, they're getting penalties, they didn't do themselves any favors, but you have to give credit to the Bucks, you have to give credit to that defensive line. Mike, what you said was that if the defensive line of the Bucks with that depleted Chiefs offensive line, if they can get through, create some pressure on Mahomes up the middle, just kind of get them off balance a little bit, they'll have, they'll have a chance. That's what, and even though we all thought the Chiefs would win, that was a good point because that is what happened. That is how the game went and it just seemed like every play, Every play, the Chiefs offensive line got blown up. Yeah, I I didn't think that this would happen the way it happened, but I did see a potential uh, um, opening for the Buccaneers in the same way that the New York Giants that we just talked about, 2007, uh, the Patriots were 18 and 0. They had the best team in the league. Randy Moss and then explain what Justin Tuck and that Strahan and that defense just tortured them. And that's how they lost. And I said, you know, looking at the Chiefs, I said, you know, you know, the left tackle was out. Uh, they weren't really that healthy. And if they were going to have a chance, they would just put pressure on Mahomes. And boy, did they, he had no time. It looked like Sam Darnold's entire career. Yep. Okay, all in one game. Yes, yes. Mahomes had yep. no time to do anything. I mean, every time me and my dad were watching him, he was running to the left, running to the right. His foot was hurt. And then these refs, obviously, I don't want to go ahead and start blaming the entire game on the refs. But, you know, in that first half, they were not letting anybody play. Okay, so you know what? Good for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Good for Todd Bowles. Uh, um, Wookie, I don't know if, if this was surprising to you. It was definitely surprising to me that the Chiefs could not get anything off all game and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are now Super Bowl champions. I would say it is surprising. I think I picked the Bucks in, in, in our previous, uh, podcast to, uh, to win. Uh, something, I, I, I'm not a Tom Brady fan, obviously being a Giants fan. Um, but something said to me, I, I don't know, I'm like, this guy's going to get the seventh at 43 years old. Like, like the storybook g- gets written for those guys, those yeah, types yeah. of guys, you know sure. what I mean? Um, avocado ice cream, yeah. avocado tequila, you saw the meme, the picture today, it's turned <laughs> into a meme already. I yeah. mean, the guy, right now, I feel like, I, I didn't, I didn't expect it to go the way it did. No, I mean, nobody's expecting that. You think Kansas City's going to do what Kansas City does. Yeah. It's going to be a shootout towards the end. Um, wasn't expecting Gronk to be as involved. I thought he'd be a little more involved. Two touchdowns. Um, Crazy. It, Crazy. It felt like him and Tom just went back to what it felt like in 2017, 2018 yeah. before he retired. And it's like, all right, we're going to do this. And with yeah. all the penalties and with yeah. Mahomes running around. And credit to Mahomes. There was a lot of times I'm like, Yo, where is he running right now? And then he would just turn out of a tackle right by the sideline, throw the ball. Pringle almost called that one-handed catch in the back of the end zone. Where? Yeah. How is Mahomes even throwing the ball there? Like, how did he not go down already? How did they not get him? So that's yeah, a when you look, they, they worked. And when you look at the box score, box score, guys, I'm just taking a look now. Brady only had about 200, three touchdowns. 
only had about 200 yards. That's all he had yep. to do. The Chiefs actually ended up with more yards in this game than the Buccaneers. But the Buccaneers were efficient when it mattered the most. 11 penalties for 120 yards for the Chiefs. Wow. I mean, Mike made a point a minute ago. When I was watching this game with everyone we had here at the house, and I saw the penalties at the inopportune times, the worst times. They, they, they're about to punt the ball back to your Chiefs, and you get a penalty. You know, things that you're like, oh, my God. Um, a couple of these penalties, though, Mike, like you said, one of those balls went out of the end zone. They called a pass interference on the Honey Badger there. I don't know about that one. But all the penalties seem to come at the worst times. Oh, like all, of these, all of these, uh, all these mistakes they made on the field seem to come at the worst times in this game. And it seemed like the offensive line was reminiscent of the 2019-2018 Jets offensive line. This year to a degree also. But the past two years before that too, Mike, where every place Sam dropped back, he had the least amount of times to throw in the league of any quarterback, Sam Darnold. And you see what that effect has on a quarterback, even as good as Patrick Mahomes. Very good. When you don't have time and you're getting rushed and you're running all over the place, the game ends. People go, oh, man, Patrick Mahomes didn't look that good. People who know football really well know that Patrick Mahomes had 270 yards while he was running for his life. Right. And guys are dropping balls. Yep. And there's penalties. All these, He actually probably overachieved, comparatively speaking. But I got to say, that game did not go how I anticipated. I got to give kudos to the Buccaneers. Ended up being a boring game in the end, guys. You know, yeah. the way the way they're shaking out. And and you know, the narrative now Tom Brady is the greatest winner of all time. You know, and, and I said and you said and Nick, we all agree that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback in the history of the sport. I will admit it. I don't want to, but I'll admit it. And here on the ABG we don't promote fake news, we tell the truth. But for you to say, Dwayne, we're talking to Dwayne, that Tom Brady is greater winner than Michael Jordan, that he's a greater winner than Babe Ruth. Yo, okay, so let's just be factual. Some of his wins have an asterisk next to him. Period. I'm sorry. I know a lot of people don't like addressing the truth, but it is the truth. Super Bowl 36, Super Bowl 38, Super Bowl 39. There was cheating. End of story. So so make sure that when we're talking about the greatness of Tom Brady, he is the GOAT. That part is part of the equation. Let's not forget that. And before we start saying he's the greatest winner ever, let's talk contextually how that applies, right? Yeah, and it's hard to compare sports and eras and things like that. It's difficult. Obviously, Tom Brady's in the conversation because of all the times he's won most Super Bowls of any human being. Right. Uh, seven championships more than any franchise. I get that. The difference, I think, when you're talking about a basketball player like Michael Jordan is that Michael Jordan played offense and he played defense. You yeah. know, my, Tom Brady sits back, gets protected. I, he plays quarterback. It's difficult. Don't get me wrong. Probably the most difficult position of all sports right. to play. Yes, yes. However... Um, you don't play. Uh, Michael Jordan won the MVP and the Defensive Player of the Year and the All Star Game MVP and the Finals MVP in the same season once. I mean, stop <laughs> it. I don't want to talk about it. That's it. I don't want to talk about it. I'm a Knicks fan. He ruined my childhood. But I had to. I had to come to terms with this. Okay. Yep. He's Absolutely. the goat. And when yeah. you talk about the greatest winners, I understand. I mean, Tom Brady's uh run with the Patriots. Now I kind of look at almost differently because I'm like I look at it more as a Brady made that happen when it was Brady and Belichick yes. it was, was the chicken of the egg kind of thing with Brady and Belichick right guys now Brady's removed himself won a Super Bowl Belichick was 79 last year we got to see next year how Belichick does with his full roster we'll see how it is moving forward he's yep. a great coach don't get me wrong I'm not saying he's not I'm just saying he's won zero playoff games in his career without Tom Brady as his quarterback so Thomas, as of this moment right now guys 
Rex Ryan has won more playoff games in his career than Bill Belichick has without Tom Brady. Bill Belichick's coached, Bill Belichick coached six seasons without Tom Brady. Rex Ryan coached six seasons, I think, with the Jets and the Bills. <laughs> Rex Ryan, more, more playoff wins without Tom Brady. Rex Ryan used to always make that point. He used to always make that point, Rex Ryan, that, uh, man, if I had Tom Brady, I'd be winning a lot of games too. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Bruce, Bruce Arians has a, Bruce a lot of Arians. Bruce Arians is a Super Bowl winner now because of Tom yeah. Brady. Yeah, he, yeah. Or, you, know, you know, part of that, it. That's just a fun – I just I like that conversation. That's a fun conversation to have with the Brady, the Belichick one. But all that stuff aside, Brady wins another Super Bowl. The game did not – like we said, the game didn't go how I thought. The game was not that entertaining. No. Uh, I thought you, – weren't you guys waiting in the game for the Chiefs to start that comeback? You're like, all right, here we go. They're going to go down, yep. get this touchdown, make a defensive stop. You know, because all year, even last year in the playoffs, they were behind in every game. They don't mind. Yep. They don't mind going behind that team. So when they were down, I was like, "Okay, I'm waiting for it." But at the same time, every single drive, Mahomes, Mahomes, running for his life. You know? Let me tell you, kudos to Todd Bowles, Nick. Um, yeah, he played the cover two flawlessly. Uh, Todd Bowles and his scheme made sure that Tyreek Hill did not beat them deep. That's what and just sent the front lines right, and that worked. pretty much yeah, that worked. And yeah, good for Todd. And there were a couple points where, uh, with Kelsey, I thought Mahomes. Well, and this goes back to Bowles as well. You get pressure on him from a certain position. Um, some of those throws to Kelsey, some of those throws out to the receivers in the flat, uh, might have been running back to. If I'm forgetting, I apologize. Um, the ball was just flat. It came out. It wasn't even getting there. It's not something you expected to see from Patrick Mahomes. And that is credit to what Bowles had did, dialing it up, figuring out, okay, look, we're not letting Hill beat us. So now we've got Kelsey, anybody out of the backfield, Hilarious. and yep. whoever the the other receivers are. Yeah, you know okay? what I think you saw too, Wook, because of what you just said? Now, this is crazy to say, obviously, they've won all these games. <coughs> and Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback, and he's, you know, he's Patrick Mahomes. Oh, of course. But once they took Hill out of the picture, which it seemed like, like Mike said, they did. Yep. It was all focused on Kelsey, who's a tight yep. end. And he's tremendous. And Travis Kelsey's one of the best tight ends in the league. Oh, absolutely. Hands tremendous down. player. But they don't have, they wanted Hardman to be that guy. He hasn't become that guy. Yep. Sammy Watkins hasn't been the guy. They don't have that second wide yep. receiver option that they could have went to when right. a team is maybe blanketing Hill down the field. And you're like, all right, well, who's this possession guy we can have? Let's just bang off seven and eight yards like they do with Kelsey, right? But they don't have a receiver that could do that. And right. you know, it didn't really matter too much as the year went on because you have Hilaire and you have all these weapons and you have all these trick gadget plays and you have Mahomes, right? But push comes to shove in these Super Bowl games, man. Sometimes it comes down to, you know, is your team well rounded enough when it means the most, you know, and when it came right. to this when it came to this game, it really it really looked like Mahomes could have used another option out there. Now the depletion yep. of the offensive line, I think, was the biggest key to the loss for them. I don't think all that stuff that happened with Andy Reid's son, I know, I, I mean, I know it's an issue. I know it happened right before the game. Bad timing by Andy Reid. Right. All that horrible, tragic situation going on. Um, and I hope everything's ha okay with that little girl and everything. I know, I know people wanted to use that as an excuse for the Chiefs, but I doubt that actually had an effect on the field. I just think they got outcoached, and I think they got outplayed on game day. Well, and the penalty didn't help, though, but that's what I think. What about the thought... And, you know, this was poo-pooed, but when you really look at it, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are an all-star team. I mean, look at the defensive line, the Dominican Sue, Vita Vea, right? The, their, the, their yep. secondary. Look at, look at, uh, oh, they got Devin White back there. 
Um, then you look at their receiving core, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and then you got Gronkowski and Cameron Brake. Gronkowski went off, Leonard Fournette. I mean, they've got a yeah, I don't, super team. I know what you mean. They have a lot of big names. I kind of look at it a little differently because, like, Dominican Sue is not a Dominican Sue when he was a not, dominant yeah. player. So right, a, lot of these right. guys, a lot of these guys are big names. In the NFL, in Antonio Brown's entire situation is an anomaly. Like them getting him was like, like you said, Mike. Like they already had Godwin and Evans, and they get Antonio Brown. You know, <laughs> it's like how and they they already had um Ronald Jones, and they get Leonard Fournette. It's like a weird scenario in Tampa where they almost seem like they had too many guys at certain positions. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if next year the the same roster is going to be coming back. Um, you know, as we know, Godwin, Godwin's out there. He could, he'd be signed by anybody. Uh, Antonio Brown's going to be a free agent also. A lot of, could be a lot of changes there with that team, but we know Tom Brady has his fingerprints on things and he has a say when it comes to the, uh, the moves of the front office there, which Russell Wilson apparently was yep. requesting this week as well, becoming a thing in the NFL. Now these quarterbacks, uh, want to get their fingers into the decision making of the team. And that is a slippery slope when you start that. When you oh, start that, when you start allowing that, into the front office culture to allow the players, regardless of how good they are, but regardless of their stature on the team, to be involved in the decision making. I just don't see good endings for teams with that. Like it doesn't seem like a good way to do things. I know you want to placate some of these players' egos, and that's what the, the Texans want to do to a degree. Or actually, that's what the Texans. That's what Deshaun Watson wanted the Texans to do. I should say right, right, they did right. the complete opposite and told him to go kick rocks, and that's why he wants to get out of there. But you can you can save face sometimes by just just keeping them in the loop. But I don't think players should be really involved in personnel decisions. You know, no, like, that's Tom like Brady, you guys going, hey yeah. fans, what do you want us to be? What do you want us to do on the next podcast? You tell us exactly what you want. You know what I mean? And, and, all right, so it's not it's not a perfect comparison, but it's yeah. like I was like, well, that would be that. Like, hey guys. <laughs> No, it wouldn't, but I'm, oh, my phone just fell. Sorry. That's all right. Sorry, everybody. First time uh, <laughs> on camera with Zoom here. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like Steve Cohen with the uh, tweets. Before we get into these AABG awards, guys, and we start <laughs> handing out these beautiful trophies that we're going to give out, that every one of these winners, everybody who wins one, you're going to get mailed the trophy. We're going to contact yep. you. We'll get at you. We'll get, yep. our, we'll get, our, we'll get our interns to take care of it. <laughs> Before we get into that, Let's talk about one little positive thing that happened in the Jets or one little thing of note. We hired Leon Washington as a special teams assistant. Now, do special teams assistants have that big of an impact? I don't know. But we love Leon Washington. Love him. I'm happy they got brought into the staff. Had some of the greatest runbacks on kickoffs I could ever imagine. Very emotionally moving plays that guy has caused in my life. Yes. And so just, just that alone, guys like him, guys from that era that played on that team and all those dudes, Back in the day, you just love those guys. Yes, Jeff. The Jet Nation was very happy when we we signed him as an assistant coach, just because we love Leon. We haven't had a punt returner since uh, as good as him <laughs> since then. You know, the third annual ain't easy being green award show. Okay, everybody, welcome back. It is time to hand out some AEBG Awards for 2020, the third annual AEBG Awards. These are prestigious. These 10-cent plastic trophies, they don't grow on trees, everyone, okay? You have to earn them. You got to earn them here at AEBG to get one of these bad boys. And before we get into some of the more fun awards, we got 10 categories here, guys. We're going to go through the normal ones. We want to hand out first is the AEBG Rookie of the Year for the NFL this year. I think it's kind of a no-brainer. There was a rookie out there that broke the touchdown record, that balled all season long. 
I don't even think he started the first couple games. Wookie would know better than me. He has him on his fantasy football team. Uh, but he still threw, still threw 31 touchdowns. For me, guys, ABG award for the rookie of the year, Justin Herbert. I mean, the kid, uh, he didn't start, and, and, and if it wasn't for a, a horrible gaffe by the medical team out there, um, who knows when he would have got his career started. Uh, I, I'm agreeing with you, Keith. I think Justin Jefferson, who's on your fantasy team, um, comes in, if not right there, 1B. He had one of the greatest rookie wide receiver seasons yeah. in the NFL ever. Um, but in the end, quarterback sells in the NFL, so Herbert's got to be it for me as well. Yeah, yeah my, mine was Justin Jefferson. I mean, 1,400 yards, fourth in oh. the NFL in receiving. This is this is a receiver, you know, a rookie receiver, seven touchdowns, average almost 16 yards of reception. I mean, for him to come in to fill the shoes of Stefan Diggs, you know, in that situation and uh, make it to his first Pro Bowl right out the gate, um, I thought that Herbert did a phenomenal job, but in in the end, what did that value really bring? They still lost a ton of games. To, you know, now I think he's going to be a great, great quarterback. I really liked Herbert a lot, but to me, the most impressive rookie, just given the situation of where they were, um, I would say it would have to be Justin Jefferson. Herbert had weapons. Remember, he went into a game, a team that already had a good, strong foundation where Philip Rivers had just left. He did a great job. He did. He's probably one of the best rookie quarterbacks we've ever seen. Okay. Yeah. But they didn't win games in the end. And you did good, but you didn't win. Like he even lost to Tua. And Tua well, was nothing to that guy. This so, again, I know I, execution, but the yeah. biggest thing is wins, right? I guess, but the Vikings and the Chargers have the same amount of wins. What what type of wins did Justin Jefferson bring to the Vikings? Well, well Justin Jefferson is a tool. He's not the leader. That's what I'm offense. saying. So yeah, if they right? have the same, so to your point, if they have the same record, but yep. one guy has to do a lot more than the other and breaks the rookie touchdown record. I'm sorry, bro. You just made my point for me. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> oh, but guys, let's get to the offensive player of the year. Now, I think we all might have different votes for this one. The NFL went with Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry was battering, ramming people this year. 2,000 yards. I think he had 17 touchdowns. Tremendous. My offensive player of the year, a little different. I went with Aaron Rodgers, guys. And this is why. 48 touchdowns this year. Five interceptions. 121 QB rating. The wins were there. That doesn't really matter. With offensive player of the year, it's more stat-based. But this is his best season of his entire career for Aaron Rodgers. Somebody who we talk about as being one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Never thrown 48 touchdowns before. Never had a 121 quarterback rating before. That offense was humming all year. Even in the game last week when he lost, I should say two weeks ago to the Bucks, Three touchdowns, 345 yards. Completely outplayed Brady. But came up short when it mattered in that game. But for me, the best offensive player of this year, I like to give these things to quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, um, I don't want to tip my hat here when we get to the NFL MVP, but Aaron Rodgers is my NFL MVP. <laughs> offensive okay. play, offensive player of the year. I do have Derrick Henry. He broke Took two. The hat right off, he right? broke two. He broke two thousand yards. I mean, how many running backs are doing that? You know what I mean. And so that was very unique. Obviously, the eight. NFL NFL called him that. Seventeen touchdowns, five almost five hundred yards more than the next competitor. So you know, wild, um, I, I, it, just craziness. So you could give it to either one. Yeah, of yeah, those sure, two guys. So yeah, um, that 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 would be my offensive player of the year. What do you think? What- I'll go. I'll go with Derrick Henry. I, I, I'm I'm a fan of old school um, teams that had that one running back and a fullback, yeah. and that was the dude. Yeah. And 
I, I understand nowadays it's harder to do that, but you've got Derrick Henry. I mean, I mean, man child is what I think about when I think about Derrick Henry. Like, <laughs> the guy should not be that big and fast. Yeah. How many people did he just put into the ether with stiff arms this year? Wow. He ran over everything that was put in front of him. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think there was, I mean, there's eight or nine, probably eight running backs that have ever rushed for 2,000 yards. I mean, Rogers had his year of all years. And especially to do that in, uh, 2021. Oh, uh, my God. 2020, when it's like, the run, like that lead back by himself getting all those yards is kind of becoming a species, right? We have all these multiple, yep. right. multiple sets in the back. We have first, we have three different running backs, each getting 10 carries for some teams, you know, the 49ers or something like that. So it's, it's as impressive as it gets for Derek Henry. Right. Guys. Now, when it comes to defensive player of the year, there's a lot of different people that you could have went with in the NFL this year. The NFL chose Aaron Donald. Here on AEBG for the AEBG Defensive Player of the Year. Who do you got, Mike? I got Devin White. 97 solo tackles, third in the league. He had nine overall sacks, 140 total tackles uh, on the Super Bowl winning um, Buccaneers. Okay. I, that, that, that's a lot to me. I, I got him as the defensive oh, so, And Mike, 12 tackles in the Super Bowl. I he was like all over the place, so that's a great pick. Yeah. But what do you got, Wook? I got Devin White. The kid is a kid's a monster. <laughs> nice. The kid, Devin I White. Mean, I mean, I noticed it halfway through halfway through the game that him and Levante David have jersey numbers that are just reversed. Yeah, I'm like these. It was guys. confusing. <laughs> it was confusing. I'm like, exactly. I'm like, is this guy a safety? Is he a linebacker? Yeah. He is just. He's on another level. Yeah. No, I have sometimes I think that gives that gives relief to the defensive line who's got as we know, JPP yeah, yeah. and Dominican. You've got stars along the older stars along the the, the defensive line. Yeah. But linebackers, a defensive line's best friend. And those two guys, I mean, sideline to sideline, twenty yards. Yeah. Right. And I have uh I have alcohol-induced dyslexia, and so that really was bothering me during the game. I didn't know who was who as the game was going on. I was going to throw me off there. Who's the tackle? Levante? So for me, guys, my defensive player of the year for this year is T.J. Watt from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, Aaron Donald won the award, okay? Now, T.J. Watt had more sacks than Donald. I got the stats right here, guys. 15 sacks. Donald had 13 and a half. T.J. Watt had 53 tackles. Donald had 45. But T.J. Watt had 43 solo tackles. And Aaron Donald at 27. You look at these stats, he outplayed Aaron Donald pretty much across the board. Doesn't have that name value yet. I know he's a Watt, but he's not yep. J.J. Watt. He's T.J. Right. Watt. So he hasn't right. gotten there yet. Maybe next year will be his year. I, I would have went with either Devin White or J.J. Watt over Aaron Donald, though. Aaron Donald's tremendous. And Aaron Absolutely. Donald, maybe he's one of these dudes, even though he gets these great stats, um, like when the Jets had uh, Richardson in the middle, you know, they would say, oh, was, he doesn't show up. All the stuff he does doesn't show up on the stats, you know. He's one of those guys too, Aaron Donald. I get it. But to me, TJ Watt was the best defensive player this year. Um, guys, let's get into coach of the year. I would love to hear who the Wookie has for the AEBG 2020 coach of the year. Who are you giving the award to, Wook? BA, Bruce Arians, man. I mean, that thing was a S show in the beginning of the season. If everybody remembers, when is Tom Brady going to get on par with all the receivers? When are we going to figure out how to make this thing click? Tom Brady doesn't like getting yelled at by Bruce Arians. With all All of a sudden, with all due respect, it, it's not Bruce Arians. It's not anybody except Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera had a quarterback like Haskins he had to deal with. He had a quarterback coming off a broken leg, Alex Smith, comeback player of the year. He had to battle cancer, okay? 
and they made the playoffs. I understood. They were, they were seven low, and nine. Under, understood, but about? he was battling cancer. What the game's mean? over. Mike, no, no, Mike, no, no. Stop, that, stop, that, stop. That's it. The game's over. That's it. There's that's no game it. over. What that are you talking is, about? That's game it. He, he is the coach of the year. So what you're saying? Stop, stop. So what you're saying is that if they went 0 16, but he battled cancer, he's still coach of the year? No, he made okay, the playoffs, so, and he was doing all of those. He made the playoffs. Things. He had a losing record. Seven nine. So when you say they make the playoffs, why are you leaving that out? They still made the playoffs. No, they made the playoffs because every other team in the division was six and ten, six and ten, Terrible. four and eleven. It's the worst division in forty Abs- years. Absolutely. So you're, what you're saying is that the coach who coached the team that won the worst division you could ever remember, who had a losing record, is the coach of the year because Ron Rivera is the coach of the year. Period. It's not even a close. All the things he had to deal with at that Washington yeah, no the, football the, team, the Washington football team, all the craziness that had to happen with that franchise, and they were able to actually win the division. He's coach of the year. I didn't say that. So, so what Mike is saying that that's what Mike is saying is that if the NFC East, if everybody just won two games, Mike's saying, but they won three, Mike's giving them coach of the year. He's saying, look. Because he won the division. That's all that matters, look, right? Look, look, look. I'm not, I'm not, it's not look, even, I'm not, I'm not knocking the guy. I, 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 He's not even in the conversation. I'm, he's, I'm not so even, happy. he's not even in the I'm top so 10 this year. He beat cancer, obviously. Obviously. Of course. That's a no-brainer. That's a non-segment. That's non-starter. Yeah, that's what that I'm has saying. nothing just, to do. It has nothing to do with coaching. Nothing. It's Mike, Mike is an emotional person, so Mike injected his emotion. He's a good person. It's, I get it. Nothing to do with coaching him having cancer. I'm sorry. I understand that. Well, we could agree to disagree. We could agree to disagree. Ron Rivera to me is of without question Co- coach of the year without question i know based, off, based off the fact that you feel bad for him because he had cancer and he got better that's it that's fine not just no, that. No, alex smith alex smith he, had, he has to deal with alex smith what do you mean and deal with old, alex smith what does that mean alex, had smith, had was insert, alex smith throughout his career just some garbage quarterback i'm sorry no, not at Wait, all, alex, smith, had, alex smith came in they started winning games so what do you mean dealt with alex smith that's the dwayne haskin going out was the best thing that ever happened to them it was the best thing that could ever happen but he had to make that call you know and then he had to bring in Alex, and they right. had to trust him with the leg. There's a lot of lot of nuances yeah. that went along. And he along made that call, that. and then he kind of hedged his bets. Then he put Hanke back he, in. I mean, what was his other really call? Henke? Heineke? But I'll tell you what. Let me who get was the other quarterback. We got more. And that's Mike's. Mike's entitled his opinion. He gives his award no, out. He'll course, be in contact. Mike. He'll be in contact with Ron. You're getting one of these, Mister Rivera. I hope that cheers you up. Um, I'm gonna put Mike in a quarterback. I'm gonna I'm okay. gonna give my coach of the year. I think this is kind of a no brainer to me. Obviously, Sean McDermott from the Bills, thirteen and three, when they won their yep. first two playoff games in twenty five yep. years, thirty years in the AFC Championship game. Let's just be honest. The Bills are the worst team the last thirty years. They're garbage. The Bills yep. stunk. The Bills, yep. their fans, everything about them we hate. But this dude has only had one losing season with that team in the past four years. Got them to thirteen and three this year. Got a quarterback. I thought. I won't put words in anyone else's mouth. I thought was overrated as can be. Josh Allen thought it was inaccurate. I didn't see him ascending. And Josh Allen was an MVP candidate this year. You know, that's what Sean yeah. McDermott did. So to yeah. me, that's the best coach of the year this year. But it could be debated. Ron Rivera, McDermott, whoever anyone wants to throw out there. Um, I think the coach from, I'm forgetting his name. The coach of the Browns won it, I think, in real life. Um, yeah, I think so. But, I mean, I, I wouldn't disagree with you that I would say McDermott is way better coach than Ron Rivera. I, my whole thing with Rivera was just the challenges, the moment, everything that went into that. Not all the time the coach of the year is the like the best coach. It's kind of like the story. But I would definitely agree with you that McDermott is by far the better coach if yeah, we were to take apples to apples. Unfortunately, uh, the, the, it feels like the hell people have someone 
Going up there, leading, leading those hill people right to the promised land, unfortunately. Lighting the table on fire right now. That's unfortunate. Now, guys, I want to hand out, um, we got two more awards here before we get into some of the, some of the more sillier awards that we have lined up. Let's get into the Jet, the New York Jet Player of the Year, Mike. Who do you have? I got Marcus May. I got Can't Marcus argue with May. Uh, I, you know, I know he made that play against the Los Angeles uh, Rams oh, at, the, crazy. at the end. It was terrible, but look, man, uh, the guy had a really great year, and I believe he had 88 combo tackles, 52 solo. Um, he had a two two QB hits, a couple of fumbles. So he did a really really good job. And if you look at his stats. Compared to a lot of other safeties, he had a strong year, and I do believe that Joe Douglas has made it a priority to sign him long-term. I really hope we do. That's my New York Jet Player of the Year. Do you think, Wilk, you think it's uh, Mark? Not that there's that many guys to choose from, because there's not, but who you got for Player of the Year 2020 New York Jets, ABG Player of the Year? Makai Becton, because I wanted to be a giant, and we didn't pick him. <laughs> and, he's a, and he's a man among yeah. children. Yeah, he's you see. pushing other men around. Yep. He's a monster. He stays healthy. I mean, you say that about anybody. That kid is going to be unstoppable. That's that's your that's your left tackle forever. Yeah, right yeah. there. That and guy, you don't have to worry about that. Period. As long as he stays in shape, that kid's going to be dominant for a really long yep. time. Yep. Hard to argue with that one. My player of the year this year. Both those guys, tremendous choices. I think there was only three guys we maybe could have chose from. You both said the other <clears> two. I'm going to throw the third out there. That's of course Quinn and Williams. Absolutely. This year he went from. Now he played 13 games last year, and he played 13 games this year, guys. Two and a half sacks last year, seven sacks this year. Yep. He had 28 tackles last year. 55 tackles this year, playing no tackle down there, getting double teamed the entire second half of the year. Guys, he had six quarterback hits last year, 14 quarterback hits this year. So he was all over the place when it comes to um, production on the field. A couple forced fumbles this year also. And I think Quinn established himself that last eight, nine, ten games, Mike and Wook, he established himself as a potential dominant force in this league for years to come. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. And unfortunately, I think the Texans are looking at him. If they were to move Watson, he would have to be part of the deal. I can understand that. I can see But that. I agree with you. And with the 4-3 front that's coming with Coach Sala, the the damage that this man can do uh, within that, it's 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 exciting. And I, I, yep. I love Quinnen. So, yes, yeah. agreed. Now we'll get on to the NFL MVP. Guys, for the league, the AEBG NFL MVP 2020, the regular NFL chose Aaron Rodgers. Mike, I think you said that's your guy? Yep, that's my guy. Aaron, so for I, all the reasons you said. I, I mean, it's really hard to argue with. I have a different guy, but you'll, when I say the guy, you'll see what I mean. Well, who do you got for this year, MVP? <clears throat> MVP, uh, it's between Aaron Rodgers and um, – oh, it's tough. I mean, Derrick Henry, I feel like running backs just get the short end of the stick. They, they always do. get um, I, I mean, as, as much as Mike's not going to like it, Jet fans aren't going to like it, Tom Brady or Aaron, Aaron Rodgers for me this yeah. year. Now, my MVP for this year, I would have given it to Tom Brady, the regular season MVP myself. The reason being the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers just won the Super Bowl, we know. Can't factor that into the regular season MVP. But Tom Brady, 40 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 102 rating. Now, Antonio Brown got added to the mix. Don't get me wrong. Leonard Fournette got added to the mix. I don't know how big of an impact Leonard Fournette was to that team as compared to last year. But look at last year's roster on Tampa Bay. Look at this year's roster on Tampa Bay. The main difference is one player, Tom Brady. Yep. 
and that team's all of a sudden in the playoffs doing damage. At yep. the second half of the year, the first half of the year, I think Mike or Wook said this earlier, they kind of were trying to find themselves. I think they were 7-4 right. at one point. Um, but that last five or six games in the playoff run, we know what happened. Um, I just think he's he's the GOAT. I think Aaron Rodgers' stats were nuts this year. Um, and he got his team to 13-3. and three, But I think that without Tom Brady, if Jameis Winston or another quarterback is quarterback in that Bucks team, that's an 8-18. Eight yeah, you know, it Absolutely. was all those guys, Mike. Uh, I I do think Tom Brady could have won the MVP this year, but you give it to Rogers, forty-eight touchdowns. Hard to deny that in the regular season. Now let's get into <laughs> more fun awards. We got five awards left, guys. <laughs> These will be fun. Now we're going to get into the most overrated team of the year award. This is the Fugazi Awards, guys. Okay, the most Fugazi team in the NFL this year. Some of the candidates are the Eagles, the Falcons, uh, the 49ers, the Patriots. These are some of the candidates we have floating around, guys. All those teams coming into this year. A lot of hype. A lot of fans running their mouths about those squads. Year went on. They were all dumpster fires or close to dumpster fires or just disappointed. Mike, who do you have? Who do you think this year is the most disappointing Fugazi team in the NFL? The most Fugazi disappointing team in the National Football League is the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, oh. God. Here we go. Now, I feel like this is a... Can I tell... Can I explain to you why they're okay. so Fugazi? Let me explain their their Fugaziness. Their home record. They in the dark... In the Death Star. One of the sickest places in the country, right? In Las Vegas. Awesome. All this money that was poured into it. They only won two games there, two and six. Okay, they went and drafted the number one receiver in that draft, Henry Ruggs. What did he do? Okay, they got a Super Bowl winning coach. Okay, they've got a, a Pro Bowl quarterback and an amazing def, uh, running back and all these things, and they constantly just push out mediocrity year after year after year. They are the definition of Fugazi. And anyone who is a fan of them oh, no. is insane. They, they go through this thing called insanity because they constantly see it over. And then they don't want to address the truth. The truth is you need to make a change. You need to change your coach. Oh, boy. Okay? But they don't want to admit that. They oh, want to say, oh, yeah. well, Derek, and uh, maybe we could go get Watson. Maybe we could do these things. No, you need to change your coach. Fugazi. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not going to go into as big of an explanation as Mike. That's a tremendous choice. Before we get That's to you, great. I'll just tell you mine. <laughs> For me, my my team, the most overrated team of the year, the most Fugazi team is the Philadelphia Eagles. And the reason being, coming into this year, they're one of the team's favorite to win the division, right, with the Cowboys. And you look at the division, you say, Giants probably aren't going to be that good. Redskins aren't going to be that good, which neither of those teams were. Right. Cowboys disappointed. The Eagles had every single opportunity to win this division. They did not play that hard of a schedule, okay? And they fell flat on their face. And one of the main reasons why is their quarterback could be one of the most overrated players yeah. in the NFL. We know how that went. When they when they made a quarterback change at the end of the year, they saw a little bit better results. But they did not get the job done. The 6-10 and 10 this year for the Philadelphia Eagles. A couple of years ago in the Super Bowl, put all their, put all their eggs in one basket there with Carson Wentz. Big time contract. Fell flat on their face, Wook. Uh, it's hard to disagree with either of the two teams you picked, but I'm going to. I'm going to say it's New England Patriots. Okay. Bill Belichick. All right. All right. You're you're a fraud right now, bro. What have you done without Tom Brady? This is the only title you're getting this year. This trophy. What right have here, you Bill. done? What have you done without Tom Brady, Bill Belichick? Nothing. Not a lot. Nothing. Not a lot. And this yeah. was a year, and I get it. 
everybody went through a tough year, COVID, all the sure. other stuff that came around it. But you brought in Cam Newton. I, I'm not, I'm not convinced he's anything like the old Cam. I mean, he had great performances here. I was surprised and I was happy for him. Uh, get back on that horse a little bit for him. Um, but I mean, you, you also, there's no GM there. You drafted Nikhil Harry. What did he do? Yeah, what I mean, they, ha- they haven't Edelman's drafted him. 75. He's on uh, geriatric Edelman right now. Well, what you're like, seeing, what, are you what, doing? what you're seeing is, uh, I had this debate with my cousin who's a Patriot fan when he came by this weekend. What you're seeing is the fact that, you know, Bill Belichick does the person makes all the personnel decisions in New England. Right. And they haven't drafted a pro bowler in <laughs> seven or eight years. So they've traded for some, right? But they haven't of drafted course. one. And right. that's like, that's like the Jets world. You know, we, at least we have Jamal Adams. You know, we have, we, we've, we've actually drafted a few pro bowlers and we don't have that great of drafts either. But yep. once you removed Brady from that equation, Everything's left with everyone you've drafted. You know, I know some guys opted out, right? You tried to slide Cam in there, it didn't work out. I mean, that's definitely a team that should get a lot of votes for Fugazi team of the year. And hopefully, hopefully moving forward, they stay a garbage-ass team. What I wonder is now, if Tampa Bay becomes the old New England, like we're going to take on a Corey Dillon, a.k.a. a Leonard Fournette, somebody that didn't work out somewhere else, somebody that got labeled as tough to work with somewhere else, we're going to bring in... uh uh, AP, no, not AP. I'm sorry. Uh, AB. We're yeah. gonna bring in Antonio Brown. We're gonna make it work here because the culture is different here. Yeah, was yeah. that a Belichick culture or was that a I'm Tom Brady? I'm running this culture. Sorry. Yeah, could be. It could be. That's all good. It's all good. Now we're gonna give out one more Fugazi of the Year award, and that's the most Fugazi player of the year, the most overrated player in the NFL. Now, guys, I threw out a few guys that are candidates. It could be many people. There's a long list of people yep. um, that are candidates here that could win this award. Wookie, who do you think is the most overrated player in the NFL? Carson Wentz. For 2020. Oh, Carson Wentz you have. There you go. Carson Wentz. You see now how how he dealt with not being the guy and how business decisions all of a sudden he's – Yapping, he's moaning in the background. That was not Carson Wentz that everybody knew when he got drafted. Everything was going great in Philly, even after he got hurt. And Foles came in and won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, team, 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 team. Carson. Now all of a sudden you're not getting it done. They benched you. Hurts played better than you, and now please, please. There's a lot to be questioned there with Carson Wentz, not just on the football field. So I think you're right about Carson Wentz. Here's the reason why I didn't pick him, because I think going into this year, we already understood that Carson Wentz wasn't the MVP candidate he once was in the year two, and there was already discussions about him potentially losing his position. But you're absolutely right about everything you're saying. My Fugazi player of the year is someone who's considered a a superstar, all-star player, somebody that we all think is a fantasy beast. All of us think that, you know, should come in and destroy. And that guy is Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is a scrub. Let me tell you why he's a scrub. He has 12 touchdowns. 12, 12 touchdowns. 12 touchdowns is a lot where they say, oh, but nine of those touchdowns came in three games. The rest of them, he really had one or none, okay? okay. He a- averaged, per run, 3.7 yards per carry. That's mm. trash. So he's a volume that's, guy. That's trash, okay? He had barely over a 1,000 yards, okay? <laughs> and he only went over a 100 
Keith, ready? Ready? Yeah. Ready? He only went over 100 yards twice wow. this entire season. Sorry. Okay? And we think of him, he was the number one running back drafted yeah. in his pick. Okay? And mm-hmm. he's on supposedly a great offensive line and all that. He is absolute jabron. This dude is not a superstar. Wow. He should be taken in the third Ooh. round of any draft. <clears throat> and he is somebody who scores in bunches and then just disappears for a long time. That's my Fugazi player of the year. Why? Now, you know what? There seems to be a very anti-Raider. <laughs> there seems to be like, a very, very... I've like met him before. There seems to be a very anti-Raider vibe. To your choices here. Oh my god! <laughs> the most now, the most, the most Fugazi team and the most Fugazi. Both of these players is the guys. My most Fugazi player now. Those, those are both great choices. I think Mike, you might be, you might be stretching it a little bit, but hey, you give your award out to who you want to give it out to. I think Tua could be someone you you could consider. I think. I can't say really Sam, because after last year, people didn't have that high hope yeah, for Sam. Yeah, I think yeah. a guy like Jimmy G or Jared Goff are good choices. Yes. But the guy I'm going to throw out. At all of you that just I don't I think secretly no one noticed became scrub is JJ Watt. Oh, JJ wow. Watt had one sack yep. from November 26th. Excuse me, he had one sack from November 8th until the end of the season. He had five sacks this year. He made 16 million dollars, and everyone he's still in commercial. He's JJ Watt, right? And he yep. was like. He, uh, uh, Quinton Williams had more sacks as a defensive tackle than this guy had as a defensive end. And I know he's J.J. Watt. Maybe he's still getting doubled, but I don't know a player that still has the name value of yeah. J.J. Watt yeah. that production-wise is as trash as J.J. Watt. Oh, no. Goff, maybe. Solid right. call right there. Jacobs That's, cool. That's a real call. Yeah. And I'll tell you, too, Jacobs is someone that got a ton of volume. So to Mike's point, you look at his stats, oh, they look good, but they're like, wait, man, he had a billion carries. So I know what Mike's <laughs> trying to get at. Um, and I think a lot of quarterbacks disappointed us, but I don't know if anyone's as high up the hierarchy of the NFL that actually isn't that good anymore as J.J. Watt, guys. Well, let's He's get into the next Frank Gore. Yeah. Mike's got him as the next Frank Gore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, three more, three more awards left here, guys, and we're going to get out of here. The Wookiee has an award he wants to give out. It's called the Walt Clyde Frazier Worst Dressed Player of the Year Award. Wookiee, there's really only one guy in consideration, isn't there? there? I mean, I mean, if we're going across all sports, then we can broaden that. But since this is a football, more specifically a Jets podcast, and um, disclaimer, I am no fashionista. I have no fashion sense, okay? Um, but if I'm making that tell. type of pick, right? <laughs> um, I'm just playing. Cam Newton. Oh, God. Cam Newton. You don't know if you're getting Capri pants, grandma on the porch, Cam. Yeah. You don't know if you're getting, I'm going to take my entire duvet off my bed, wrap it around like a scarf, Cam. Yes. Yep. You don't know if you're getting Edward Scissorhands, Cam. Yeah. I don't, do whatever you got. If it makes you happy, you feel comfortable, great. We're all unbelievable. He's you know what? I wish I wish I had so much money that I did not care that I look like a complete fool. Bro, That's what I wish like, in my life. Like, exactly. there's no way you can leave the crib looking like like. Sometimes he had that one thing on last year that was all purple. He just looked like a blueberry or something. Then the next week he has the Aunt Jemima on his head. Like he always has wild stuff. Now I'm sure someone likes it. I'm sure people that walk the runways. Like, wow, of look, course. Look at Cam. But guess what? No human on earth actually wears those clothes no. that are on a runway in the real world. No. People dress like the way we're dressed right now. They the only time like, you see those clothes is on that runway, like you're saying. I need, to know, I need to know what his boys in the locker room say about it. 
the best the best dressed the best dressed I've seen anybody is Stop. is Patrick Mah- say- is Patrick Mahomes st- coming in and wearing his dad's Mets jersey. <laughs> okay. Can't even knock him for that though. That's, that's, that's his dad. That's, that's his dad. How are you gonna? You know what I'm saying? You know. He's not wearing a gigantic Afghan knitted babushka. He's yeah, got the exactly. Mahomes. He's got the Mahomes Mets jersey. I you gotta even, like that. You know, you gotta you have to. That. That's family and and Mets, man. Yeah. Guys, we want to hand out the AEBG Guest of the Year award now. We've had a ton of guests this year. We have more guests this year than any year before. Um, a lot of good people. We had Mr. Gidry on the show. He was tremendous. We had Denzel Mims last week on the show. We had my dad, Andy Farrell, on the show, okay? Now, for me, neck and neck between my dad and Denzel Mims is close. I'm going to give the, I'm gonna have to give the nod to Mims. But when it comes to the best guest of the year, i got to say it was Mr. Gidry, Javelin Gidry. And I know Denzel has the biggest name. Everyone's going crazy. But what Mr. Gidry gave us in that interview was life lessons, guys. Ways to live your life. How to be a better person. I think if anyone listens to that, regardless of what sports you like or what you're into in life, that could be very beneficial for you. For, for me, ABG 2020 guest of the year, Javelin Gidry Sr. Who you got, Mike? Uh, actually, my guest of the year was uh, Mr. Farrell. Um, I very much enjoyed the, the show we had with him right before we started playing with the Bills. And it was the last time that I was so excited about the team. And we all talked as Jet fans and he was giving us context about, you know, uh, what it was like him going through seeing Joe and, you know, Denzel was great, obviously. Yeah, and yeah. So was Mr. Gidry, but I really enjoyed, uh, having your dad on and talking Jets. That was the last time I was really, really excited. I was excited to talk to Mims, but it's like, you know, we're not going to play again. When I was talking to your dad, I was amped. I was like, oh, we're going to be playing the Bills? Yeah. Smash them? And then <laughs> obviously, you know. So. Now that Mike has ruined my relationship with my father by choosing my dad, even though I didn't. Wookie, please go ahead. I appreciate that, Mike. You chose my dad. I mean, what are we? Can we communicate before the show? What are we doing? I'm talking about it. Oh my god! I'm not going to comment then, apparently, because AF is is big time. That's right. That's right next to Julius. That's right. Mr. Uh, I don't want to blow his ego up anymore and just start handing out AEG awards. That's the problem. I mean, I mean, it's a tie. It's it's a tie between Mr. Gidry and Mr. Farrell. For me, <laughs> that's where that's where it comes down to. You know what I love is that we had we had an NFL player on the show last week. No consideration. No, Mr. Farrell and Mr. Gidry. <laughs> I don't know Denzel Mims. I'm sure he's a great kid. Yeah, I'm sure he's a great Mr. kid. Mr. Farrell. Yeah, Mr. Farrell. Yeah, I talked to Mr. Gidry. <laughs> it seems like my dad just won. The one consenting vote against him was his own. Hands run, down. So you won it. You won that one, guys. And we're going to give out one last award, and then we're going to uh we're going to give out one last award that we'll sign out, guys. This is called the Flat Earther Award slash. Crazy ass ex girlfriend award. It could be crazy ass ex boyfriend, crazy ass ex partner, whatever. 2021. That part doesn't matter. We're giving this award out to you, Jamal Adams. The reason you're a flat earther is because you're not in touch with reality. Okay? The reason you're a crazy ass ex girlfriend is because for some reason, all these months after we're not together anymore and we've moved on with our life and you moved on seemingly with your life, you're still talking about us. You're still doing interviews where you feel the need to bury the Jets. Okay? I don't know why this dude feels the need. It's almost like he wants to validate the decisions he made, the immature way he got himself out of New York, Mike. Right? He wants to validate that somehow every single time he opens his mouth or gets asked about the Jets. And one thing I want to mention to everyone, which I think is very interesting. So Jamal Adams said, I wanted to get out of there because I couldn't take the losing. 
even though the last year he was there was the most games we won. We were seven and nine. If we would have won one more game, we had 500 record. And I know Gase wasn't a guy he could feel like he'd get behind. None of us could. But if you're going to use that as your excuse, and you're coming off the year, you just won the most games on this team that you said you were the leader of, you sound stupid. Okay? And when you go through the media like you did, and everything's fine, and you're all about the Jets, and you're Mr. Jet, and you're clobbering Patriots mascots at the Pro Bowl, and you're all about it every time someone talks to you about it, and the second you don't get the money you want, 180, Jets are the worst. I didn't want to be there. You know, I didn't want to be there at all. You know, it's like, why do you think people are so stupid? You know, you could say that and not see what you're saying on the surface. Like, and and also when it it comes to what happened last year, so Jamal moves himself out of here, positions himself out of the Jets, wants to pat himself on the back every time he gets a chance about it. All right, fine. Last year, Jamal Adams, guys, his pro football focus grade was a 62.7. Now, 62.7 is not that good a grade on pro football focus. 82.8, 82.8, which is Marcus May's grade, much better. There you go. Much better. Marcus Absolutely. May outplayed him last year. Now, when it comes to coverage, Jamal Adams was ranked 50, excuse me, Jamal Adams was ranked 78th out of 93 safeties in wow. the NFL. Pretty good. I did not know I'm that. I'm going to repeat that. I'm going to repeat it for you guys real quick. When it comes to coverage, PFF had him rated 78th out of 93 safeties. You just had your worst season of your career. You got targeted by quarterback because you can't cover anyone. Get all the sacks you want. Get all the sacks you want. We got quarterback value for a safety that's insecure, right? That's injury prone, apparently. He's at 10 injuries a year. That all he could do is rush the quarterback. You can't cover nobody. And we got quarterback value for you. And you want to sit there and badmouth the Jets? Because yeah. you know, you know. We just hosed the team you're currently playing for. Yep. And whoever we draft next year at 22, and whoever we grab in that third round, and whoever we get the next year in the first round, those three players will probably have more of an impact on this Jet team moving forward than Jamal Adams ever would. Yeah. Because you're a safety, bro, and you play safety, and you wanted $20 million, right? <laughs> and now the Seahawks, because they traded all that, all that cap collateral to us, right, guys? They have to sign you now. They yeah. have to, or they look stupid, right? Or they're the worst, or they're the worst run team of all time. So now you even put that team in a bad spot. But to me, retrospectively looking back on things the way he does in an alternate reality that he wants to paint, he wants to paint the past as something that it's not. We all lived through it. We saw your tweets. You've been there for four years. We, we, we saw you. We saw you play. We saw your quotes. We saw the way you wanted out. We saw how you maneuvered your way out. We saw you get what you wanted. And even though you got what you wanted, you feel the need every single time someone puts a mic in your face to bash the Jets. What yeah. is going on? Mike, what do you think about that? I just, it's kind of hard to understand why he continues to do that. It sounds like he's in, it's in, he's insecure about the whole situation. And he feels like he needs to show that he's the bigger, badder dude. And I, that's the only thing I can think of. Because why would you keep continually have the Jets... Uh, in your mouth, you know, um, you should just continue to move on. The fact is, is that I'm sure Seattle is not happy that they did this trade nope. because they got you to win a Super Bowl and they went out in the very first round. And now Russell Wilson's talking about he doesn't like getting pressured and who knows what happens with that. Can he so, this could, so that so that could turn into even a worse dumpster fire if you had just stuck with the Jets. Now you would have Coach Salah and a team on its way up. But, hey, you did what you did. We appreciate your services. Good luck in Seattle. And if you keep want to keep talking about the Jets, you're only making us look better. So, 
Yeah, it's just so funny to me the way he's gone about things. And we've done shows in it. We won't talk about it anymore. We're just joking around here. But um, you are a clown, and you are insecure, obviously, and it doesn't make any sense. And the Seahawks went out in the first round of the playoffs, and your quarterback might leave in the offseason. Wouldn't that just be ooh. the best? Wouldn't and it then, be? Ooh, and we got great pick? We got the pick? Pick? We we pick? pick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you might draft another one in the first round because they've got a pick because they traded for you. So, I mean, that would just be – that would be such poetic justice – to somebody that, to me, kind of typifies the modern athlete in a negative way, who is Jamal Adams. If, if Russell Wilson leaves, right? And, and one of the other things I want to throw up for was when you heard this guy say, I'll run through a wall for Pete Carroll. You know what I'm saying? You guys remember, if you guys remember all the wonderful things that Jamal Adams said about Todd Bowles and I was his coach for his first year? Yeah. And I love this guy. It's just complete nonsense. If, if, if tomorrow... Um, you know, the Seahawks cut him or they have a contract problem or anything like that. We already know how this kid's going to act. You can't trust yeah. things that come out of his mouth. Right. You yep. know, but everybody wants to feel self-important. And Jamal Adams is no different. But, you know, I think in the end, in the in the long run, that it might end up being one of the best trade Jets have ever made. Jets have ever made. Could be. Our franchise. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. And those are the AEBG Awards, third annual, guys, for 2020. All of these beautiful, amazing awards that we splurged on. See that, guys? Look at that beautiful gold award right there. See all these ones that got laid out in front of Superman right here? They're going to be mailed out. They'll be mailed out tomorrow. We're going to get the, the interns on it, guys. That was a blast. It was a lot of fun this week. Another Super Bowl in the books. This is basically the first episode of the next year of the yes. season, right, guys? This is a lot of fun. Mike, if anyone wants to get at us, support us, tweet at us in any way, shape, or form, where could they do that? Well, we're hosted on the Elite Sports Radio Network. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spreaker.com. Please follow us on Facebook at AEBG.JetsRadio, on Twitter at AEBG underscore NYJ Podcast, and on Instagram at Jet.AEBG. And that's iTunes and iHeartRadio. Mike, combine them. That's fine. You guys oh, know where to find us. You guys know where to find us, all right, people? Everything you know the I before it. Look, at this point, if you don't know, we're going to put it up on the video in a second, too, so it's all good. <laughs> all right, everybody? You heard the man on behalf of the biggest jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Agaris, and the big stinking Wookiee, Nicholas Kronk. We're out of here for this week. Peace out, everyone. Get at you next time. Hey, this is Joe Namath, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? The New York Jets will beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans, Jet fans, Jet fans, very passionate. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans, very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be the sucks. Don't believe it.